0: it's Brandy Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate and inspire you to take your business to the next level. everyone it's brandy i hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as i absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you look beauty professionals this show is for you and i want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world you can help by doing your part in making a small donation You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. It's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. I am super, super excited to bring today's episode to you. But before we get into that, make sure that you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast wherever you're listening. And don't forget to share it. Sharing is caring. So if you know someone who would benefit from this awesome content, make sure you share it. Connect with us on social media, on Facebook at Business Beauty Network, Biz Beauty Network. You can also connect with us on YouTube at Biz Beauty Network as well. We would love to hear from you and connect with you there. You can email me at hello at businessbeautynetwork.com, and you can check out our website at businessbeautynetwork.com. Now that all of that is out of the way, I have an awesome, awesome episode in store for you today. I had a great interview with Laura Shaw. We had an awesome conversation about her brand, Henne Organics, just learning more about how she started the brand, the inspiration behind the brand and her laura's story was just very interesting and intriguing to me and i think it's a great story worth sharing on the podcast and just talking about her journey to you know really building and creating and branding it and starting in her kitchen and everything and um i think you're really going to enjoy this one it's very insightful and um it's always interesting to hear the entrepreneurial journey and the story along the way and what it takes to build a successful brand so i'm super excited to uh, share this with you today and i had a great interview with her i also had the opportunity to try quite a few of the products that she carries within a organics she carries lip care and skincare products i tried uh, some of the lip care products the lip mask i've been using that at night and i love the lip balms as well and As the weather is getting colder i've been really enjoying the hand cream that um she sent me as well so she sent me some great products thank you thank you laura for sending them check out hene organics i will be repurchasing some things because i'm really enjoying um the products that she sent for sure but check out heneorganics.com i'll have all of that information in the show notes but here is a little bit of laura's bio Laura is the founder and CEO of Henne Organics, a luxury brand that combines natural and highly effective lip and skincare formulas with exquisite Nordic design. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. It is your host, Brandi Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Laura Shaw. Welcome,
1: Laura. Hi, thanks for
0: having me. Thanks for being on. So Laura, before we get into learning about you and all the awesome things you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know.
1: Hmm. Well, they probably can't see me on screen right now, but um, I actually did used to have longer hair. (laughs) I've had very, very short hair for well over a decade, and it was not inspired by Miley Cyrus or Rihanna. I'll just say it like that. It was before that phase. I've gotten asked that every time a celebrity gets short hair and someone meets me, they ask that question. So yeah, I used to actually have hair below my ear, believe it or not. I like your short hair. I think it fits
0: you, you know, like it gives you like a, like it frames your face. Everybody can't pull it off, but you got it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So tell us your, your
1: beauty story. Like what inspired you to start your line? Yeah, um, I always like to say it was definitely a combination of both inspiration and desperation. So the inspo probably started way back, I would say 2009, 2010. I was actually just finishing college at that time. I went to Mizzou, University of Missouri, and I actually was doing a TV story on, it was like a slow news day. So I was doing the broadcast program and it was about tomatoes like a tomato farm, which sounds like a punishment. And it almost felt like it was because I was like, there's got to be something more interesting than sending me to tomato farm. But I just discovered things I didn't know. Um, I assumed everything that is grown on farms is organic. I don't even know if I knew what that word meant really back then. And the farmer just kind of looked at me like I was dumb. He's like, you know, it's genetically modified, right? And I was like, what? So I think just that kind of sent me down this little mini rabbit hole, just realizing that I, there were so many things that I just assumed, but I knew very little about, and I kind of just made me revisit, you know, what I ate and the products that I used. And it just naturally segmented into checking my beauty products, my skincare products. And back then there was just not that much available. And especially in the U S at that time. And I say the U S because when I graduated, I ended up actually moving to Sweden. My husband's Swedish and we lived abroad for a while. And I think the inspiration started coming from, especially living in Sweden. Uh, my husband is from a small town in Sweden. I think the population is, I could get this wrong, but it's like 20 or 30,000. So it's not a big place. And life is just very different. I'm not a big city girl by any means, but I still grew up in Kansas City. So I didn't grow up in a small place. And I i guess I always thought that that's all I ever wanted was to, you know, the big city life. And and when we lived in Sweden, it was just really nice to start actually connecting with nature. There's so many lakes there. It's very beautiful. And I started appreciating it, appreciating it a lot more. And I also fell in love with Scandinavian design and just kind of their way of life when it comes to just having things a little bit simpler, you know, you know, Scandinavian design and just their ethos is a lot about minimalism and just, you know, just, uh, there's even a saying in Swedish called lagom, which kind of means just right, not too much, not too little. And I was a, a maximalist at that time. So it was almost like rehab for me learning how to pare down my things. But yeah, inspiration definitely came from living in Sweden primarily. And then the desperation came in fast forward. Now we go to Vegas, we move back to the States, this is 2014. And I just got really dry, gnarly lips. I'm not going to lie and pretend that, oh, there was no lip balm on the planet that you know, could have helped, and I invented it. That's just not true. That's complete BS. Yes, there were lip balms on the market. I went to Whole Foods. I went to Sephora. um The non-conventional ones, I felt like were just drying. Uh, sorry, the conventional ones, I felt like were drying my lips out more. Like they felt great initially, but my lips almost felt worse afterwards. And then the organic ones worked relatively well, but they weren't—they weren't what I needed. Living in the desert. And also aesthetically, just not the prettiest products you want carrying in your handbag. You know, like the eco-friendly ones were ones that I would all I was I would say embarrassed to carry, but just you wouldn't whip it out. You know, you wouldn't whip it out and like proudly reapply it in public. It'd be something at the bottom of your makeup bag that you kind of like secretly do in your car when no one's looking. And um, and so yeah, so Hannah launched in 2015 with one lip balm, and that's the I guess that's just kind of how it happened. It was just a lot of different. I would say, life events, experiences that ended up resulting in it. Yeah, definitely very unexpected. I'll say. So
0: that was the first problem to, that you wanted to solve was the the lip issue, right? So you came out with the lip balm, and what was the process like? How did you market it? How did you get it out there? Did you create it in your kitchen? Like, take us through that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I don't know whether I should say no pun intended or pun intended since our brand is Henny Organics, but everything has been very uh, organic. Uh, It did start off in our home kitchen and it stayed in our home kitchen for two years. And the growth is also very organic, especially in the beginning. I actually think being a little bit naive really helped me because I don't come from the beauty industry or the fashion industry. And so I just use my, I guess, my natural personality. Personality type. I'm very type A. I'm kind of very much of a go getter. And I just started, you know, after we launched the lip balm, I just started reaching out to stores. I reached out to certain stores that I didn't realize until later were quite difficult to get into. I think some brands almost felt like, almost like I am not worthy, I shall not contact you until I reach a certain point. I, I mean, I wasn't dumb about it, but I was like, this is a nice boutique, but my product is also really beautiful actually. I mean, we, the packaging we have now today is almost identical to what we had when we first launched. So it wasn't like we had this massive transformation. Um, I definitely used a lot of skills that I had picked up over the years, everything from product you know, design to branding, which helped save a lot of money. When it, so we were able to launch, you know, with the brand that looked a lot more polished than we actually were, which was basically making our home kitchen a science experiment. Um, and so, yeah, it, it really was. It was very humble beginnings. You know, I think I think um, I don't know exactly how much I, I think I spent somewhere between five or six thousand dollars to launch it with everything included, including getting certified organic by USDA and having someone fly from Hawaii to look at my kitchen. Because that's what they do when you haven't launched yet. You just have to do a pre-certification. So it's literally like, here's my kitchen. Here's the spatula. (laughs) And they're like, you know, the inspection is going to be much harder next year. I was like, okay, good. Because this is weird. It's (laughs) not in my kitchen. And I pointed to my stove and I was like, "Uh, I think this is the pot I'm going to use. I might use the slightly larger one. I'm not sure. (laughs) And that was it pretty much. Um, And by the way, it's way, way, way harder the second year. So if someone listens to this, that's not how you get certified organic by USDA. Yeah. But um, (laughs) that's how it started. Yeah. Awesome. So
0: started off in your kitchen and everything, like how did you continue to market it so that you can grow this business? Like, so now you've, um, you know, you have the products, you've been certified in your kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, how do you market it, get it out there to the, you know, to the people who your target audience? Did you even know who your target audience was? Like, kind of take us through that.
1: Yeah. In the beginning, I would say at that time, so this is 2015 when we launched, it was definitely easier at that time with social media to gain, you know, not just gain a following, but to get your products out there. the algorithm was a lot more you know open whereas when you post something the people who follow you actually see your post, like all of them do and so i think having just you know i guess having everything looking very put together and also a product that worked really well we got some traction when it came to word of mouth along with getting into Um, a a handful of I would say very high quality stores especially some in in this like you know what I consider still the main space that I'm in which is whether you want to call it organic or clean or green beauty um, some stores that are considered very reputable and what people kind of look to as you know what are the up-and-coming brands I think that definitely helped but we didn't have any and even I would say to this day we've never had this huge like you know, press mention or huge moment that made us just skyrocket, you know, it's really been a slow and steady growth over the years. And, um, and then at that time, I would say that, yeah, it was really just uh, at that time, we couldn't afford like PR firm or anything. I remember we tried one that offered us a massive discount. But in retrospect, I don't think they were really a PR firm. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. It's too affordable. And then you realize they don't actually know what they're doing or don't. Yeah. But, you know, you live and you learn. And so it was, uh, it was a little bit rocky, but I still, I still feel like I want to say that, you know, I think having a little bit overly optimistic is almost a necessity with entre- like entrepreneurship. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to focus on the stats. I'll say it like that when it actually comes to. Success rate with small businesses because then you'll never try. You know what I mean? And so um, I think a combination of um, some extra optimism with just being very persistent helped because we didn't really have any type of marketing budget or, you know, really like, I guess, magic solution of how to grow at that time. It was kind of just learning while doing it, I would say.
0: Now, how did you expand the line along the way? Because I know you have more than just, you know, that one lip balm now. So mm-hmm. what was the process of really expanding it?
1: Yeah. Initially, I would say we, when we first launched our like OG product, which is our lip balm that comes in a jar, I think it, it was like maybe 10 months or maybe even slightly more until we launched our next product. And initially I was like, okay, there was a few lip products I definitely knew I wanted to launch. And then we launched those. But after I would say about a year and a half, we really had to, and I say we, I say myself and my husband, because he joined on very early on with me. After a year and a half, um, we really had to stop and think like, where do we want to take this brand? And still, even to this day, we're a very small brand. You know, we're not some huge global brand. And I kind of thought about it and it was a combination of... Discussing it with my husband and then also getting feedback, not from just, you know, family and friends, but people that I had met that I respected and that were, you know, not just in the beauty space, but in other areas of entrepreneurship that were far more successful than I was at that time and people I really looked up to. And it was kind of the same sentiment, which is like, look, you know, in layman terms, it's like, look, I'm not exactly Kim Kardashian, right? What I mean by that is I'm not a celebrity. I am in an unknown, right? How am I going to build the trust and acquire customers and get them to trust our products, to trust buying from me if, you know, I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. And so I kind of decided that it's better to start becoming known for something than not to really become known for a lot of things. And so it started making sense to stick with LIPS. And on top of that, I noticed that, of course, a lot of brands have lip products. I'm not going to pretend they don't. But there's very few brands out there that really focus on lip care primarily, have like a very all-inclusive, like, you know, very, you know, I guess, well-rounded lip care line. And on top of that, are actually organic and are very high end. So I also felt like there was definitely a gap in the market for a brand like ours. And that was definitely what kept me on the path to continuing to expand our lip line. And fast forward to today, I still consider us primarily a lip care brand. Of course, we've got some, you know, we've got hand creams, we've got face oils, and I'm sure there's other products we'll launch in the future that aren't lips, but our core is still lips. And that's where I feel like people, you know, have really come to trust us over the years because we launch, every product we launch is the same quality and caliber as it was from the start. And then after they really start to trust our lip care products, that's when they can start, you know, testing out other things from henna. Um, But yeah, I think that's what we really needed to do from the start. And and I'm really glad that I got feedback by the way, because that's what I kind of had in mind, but you know, so new to the game. I wasn't sure like, is that the right approach or maybe am I, maybe am I wrong? Like mm-hmm. maybe I should launch what a lot of brands are doing, launch a face cream, launch a cleanser, launch a body butter, like just a whole, you know, huge line of products. Also that would have been very difficult at my kitchen. I'm not going to lie. So that was also <laughs> something I kept in mind. I was like, how can I make this in my kitchen for a little bit longer? Cause I can't afford to branch out quite yet. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I could, I could see that for sure. And I've talked to a lot of people who started brands and I've seen people do it multiple ways. I've seen people start with a lot of products and I've seen people start with just one core product. And I've made the mistake of starting with too many items. Um, when I tried to start a business, so I understand wholeheartedly the importance of kind of like maybe starting off with that one core thing. And, um, and that one core thing is what you can be known for but then like you said you have other products but you're known for that core thing which is your lip products and um and it's very smart because that way when people think of your brand there's no confusion about what you offer they're like oh yeah that's the lip brand you know they offer the yeah, exactly. you know NA organics offers you know great lip bombs and scrubs yeah. and different- that nature and they will think of that, and um and that's how you kind of stand out these days is really being known for something. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times people don't realize that they want to do a little bit of everything. But if you're just known for you know that one thing, then you can expand on that. So I love that you shared that for sure, especially
1: when you're not famous. That's why I use the Kim Kardashian. You know, I'm not knocking. <laughs> yeah, on her. yeah. Like Kim well, if you're Kim famous, Kardashian, I'm not. You can remember, right? You can, can come on. And everything yeah she could launch a rusty looking like you know toenail clipper and it would just go viral and sell like hotcakes you know what i mean that's what can happen when you're famous but this is the truth right Uh i it's, it's like i know that we are not in the same category and so i can't rely on doing something like that so we have to. you have to be a lot more methodical i'm not saying they're famous people or you know influencers aren't but you know using that example it's just that we have to build that trust right And at least it's like you said, become known for something. And that's what I was wanting to do instead of maybe risking not being known for anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with that being said, now that we are where we're at, like I said, I do think we're going to launch other types of products in the future, but the core of our brand, I think will always be lips. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think, I don't see that changing. So now,
0: I know in the beginning, you said like you started off with like 5K for everything to get started with the business and it's self-funded. Um, were you able to, as you scaled up, were you
1: able to get any other, other funding or are you still self-funded at this point in time? That's a great question. Um, so the way I would answer that is so to this day, we are still 100% self-funded, but I'm not going to say that that's always for everyone. I think you can find success in different paths. I have friends that have gotten funding right from the start and they're doing great. You know what I mean? I think it just depends on a lot of different factors. One factor is, are you able to get funding? You know, not everybody can. A lot, I think people also sometimes see, you know, I don't, you know, whether it's Shark Tank or they read something in ink and they think that it's just so easy. It's like, it's just like flying off the, you know, it's like, all over the place, like literally growing on trees, right? It's not always like that. Some people who seem to get a lot of funding right from the start, they could be certain contacts they have, maybe those are contacts they already had or the ones that they had to work for. And so just having access to funding is not something that everybody can get, right? But also when it comes to, in our situation, one of the reasons, we, we did actually have some contacts where we could have reached out and that was from prior work I had done, but The feedback that a lot of them actually gave me as friends were like, okay, between you and me, please bootstrap for as long as possible because because you are not famous and because you have no leverage, they're going to take so much of your business right from the start because you have no proof of concept. And so I would recommend whether you get funding later on or not to wait a little bit, just because when you have nothing to show for except an idea, unless you have phenomenal contacts with someone who trusts you like- a brother or sister, that money is not going to come to you. But with that being said, you, you can definitely find success both routes. I also think it's just, it's pros and cons, right? I'll say for self-funding, one of the cons that someone could say is that it will be harder to scale as quickly. That is true because we're not going to have the type of capital that someone who gets you know larger injections could get. And so you might not be able to scale as quickly. And so your business may not grow as quickly during the same number of years as a business with a lot of funding. But on the flip side, the pro is that my husband and I, we own 100% of our business. And so we are 100% in control of what we do with the money, how we run our business. And because we are 100% self-funded, we're a lot more careful with our dollars because they literally come out of my bank account. And so we are not going to be doing wasteful spending we're not going to be running these you know really expensive ad campaigns where we're hoping just to someday break even you know we don't do those kind of things because we don't we can't afford it but then on the you know once again on the funding side you have the pro that you can scale very quickly and you know you could scale and of course If you partner with the right investors, they might be able to open doors or get certain contacts for you where you can grow much, much larger on the downside, depending on who's investing in you and just the circumstances, they also might drive your business into the ground, depending on, you know, how things go, because they typically want you to sell your business and that's how they cash out. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't need all of their businesses that they invest in to succeed. They expect most of them to fail. And so depending on your relationship with them, you might just become a statistic as well if things don't start going the direction that they want to see it. And I think in, especially in the past year or so, we've definitely seen some brands where unfortunately it feels like they kind of got the rug pulled out from underneath them, you know, that figure of speech because things get a little bit tight economically and all of a sudden the investor's are like, oh no, we can't put in any more money. And that puts you in a really tricky spot. So I just say it's pros and cons for both right it's like what do you what do you have access to what are you able to do like if you don't have any contacts whatsoever you don't have any outside funding you can still get started there are still ways you know there are definitely ways and so i think i like i still like to use us as an example like, you can get started without having tons of money you know you just have to be scrappy like i watched youtube videos and made a shadow box that i spent 20 dollars on that i got the materials from walmart And that's how I took my first white background product photos with my iPhone.
0: This stuff just might be magic. Guys, I have so much energy now, oh my gosh. So I just wanted to share with you, I have been drinking Magic Mind, these green shots. This has been giving me so much energy and allowing me to get things done and show up as the boss that I know I am. And I had just been so tired and in the fog, but lately I've been getting it done, guys. I've been hitting my goals, I've been writing things down, strategizing and getting ready. You know, we're at the last two months of the year. The new year is gonna be coming soon. We're getting ready for 2024. As a busy entrepreneur, you wanna make sure that you're always on and your mind is clear and you're able to get things done and you have the energy to do so. And if you've been struggling with being tired and low energy and not being able to focus, as a busy entrepreneur like I was, you want to try Magic Mind, guys. You just want to try it out. It's a shop that has only 12 key ingredients in it. It has things in it like matcha and vitamin D3 and vitamin C and echinacea and all of those types of things in it. All natural, turmeric, all natural ingredients. And guys, it's giving me the energy that I need to thrive as a busy entrepreneur. So all you have to do is enter the code BrandyBBN. And when you check out and you're going to say, so Brandy BBN, visit magicmind.com forward slash Brandy BBN. That's magicmind.com forward slash Brandy BBN. Check it out and get your energy,
1: guys. That stuff is magic. They actually turned out pretty good because I already knew how to edit pretty well beforehand. So it was really, really scrappy. I'm not saying they look remotely as nice as our products, photos today. They definitely look worse. But Circa 2015, it was pretty good you know? And so there's ways these days I would never do that. Right. I hire photographers, but at that time I, I felt like, okay, well I need to, cause that's how I'm going to be able to save money. And there, so there's ways, you know, you just have to, and, and being scrappy sometimes can be really good. You acquire new skills and, you know, you learn, you, you know, you learn from it. Uh, but yeah, that's my long winded answer. I think there's two, there's, there's d- definitely more than one path you can take. You just have to really, you have to be comfortable with it. You know, I'm not a huge risk taker. So that's also a reason I think I'm not as comfortable with getting outside funding. I never say never, but uh, yeah, I like to take calculated risks. So that that's also a factor.
0: That's interesting. Usually entrepreneurs are like the risk takers, right? Like you kind of have to be willing to take a risk or to to even you you took a risk you know putting yourself out there putting your brand out there you didn't know if people would buy it or not so I think that was even a risk but that's interesting you know that you shared yeah. that and I appreciate yeah. you hearing that too for people who may be interested in starting their own brand like there's you know two so always two sides to things you know different ways to go about it in order to you know have a successful brand
1: yeah and also, not to knock your, you know, like knock on yourself, because you don't really know the backstory when it comes to what you read online on social media. You might think that someone had this meteoric rise, but then maybe you don't know the fact that uh, their family is wealthy and they got an injection of a million dollars to start their business, and that's why they got that those sales in two three years. Mm-hmm. Or you, someone who looks like they took off overnight, and you don't realize that oh, they've been actually working for twenty years to build to that point, and they've actually been successful in the past, and this is not their first venture. You know, there's just, I think, especially these days with social media and just things online, take everything with a grain of salt, you know what I mean? I think it can be very discouraging for people who want to be entrepreneurs sometimes because they feel like, oh, this is so daunting. Like I could never accomplish what so-and-so has done during this time. They maybe didn't do it the way you thought they did. Because if they because there maybe their real story is not as sensational and won't get as enough clicks, right? Because it's all about clicks these days. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, you know, the real story behind entrepreneur, which might actually be more relatable and more inspiring, sometimes doesn't get told just because it's not it's not as flashy, you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And that's true. Um Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. Like it is not easy, and sometimes you know. Of course, we're not out here just shining all of our bad stuff, you know, with the world. You know, we want to share the good, but sometimes that can um, cause people to think that it's easier than what it really is. When in actuality, it's not. It can be hard, but it you can have success and things can be great, but then it also can be hard, and sometimes. Um, as entrepreneurs, we do need to be honest about that, about the hard times. And I love that you share that, like you know how you started and you know how you're building and the way you're choosing to do it. And that's great, and that encourages people who maybe want to start. I think I um I would prefer somebody to let me know, like, yeah, it's gonna be some bumpy roads, but you can do this. Rather than say, oh, it's all this and that, and and it's great and everything's just great and you're your own boss
1: and you can do it, and and it's not like that at all, right? <laughs> Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like whenever I have a friend or, you know, who asks me, I always tell them, like, I always say, I, if you're passionate about this, this is what you want to do. I definitely think you should pursue it. Like I'm a hundred percent behind you. With that being said, here are some realities I do want to tell you, you know, and one of them I mainly always reiterate is it's, it's a lot of work. You're going to have to put in more hours, way, way, way more than a nine to five. You don't clock in clock out. And yes, there's no guarantee But I also say there's no guarantee when you have a job either. You get fired, you get laid off, you know, the the business you're working for, you know, something could happen and they could go under. And so I don't think the, you know, being scared of risk is a good enough reason not to be an entrepreneur if that's what you really deep down, that's your calling. And once again, using myself as an example, I'm a calculated risk taker. I'm not a huge risk taker. Like, you know, I'm not a gambler, right? I don't like to gamble. And so we all have different thresholds. And you can still find success depending on your appetite for risk. You can still find success, but yes, like you, like you said, you have to take some risk just being an entrepreneur is, but I always like to, you know, like I said, like to angle it that life always contains risk. Nothing is a guarantee. So if you have this burning desire to launch this amazing product or what, what and you're, it's, you know, what's holding you back is that you think it's risky whatever you're doing right now actually has risk. It's just that risk that you're used to. You're used to that perceived risk. You're comfortable with it. You're okay with it. You accept it, right? Sometimes, even if something's not necessarily more risky, just because it's foreign, it's unknown, you feel like it's such, it's so dangerous. You know, it's way, I I couldn't possibly, but everything contains risk. It's just the way it is. And so if you think about it like that, I think it really just comes down to like, are you willing to work for it? And is this what you really want to do? Not what your parents want you to do or what you feel pressured by friends or, you know, whatever. Like, are you really, truly passionate about it? And if you are, I say, go for it. You know, if you're willing to work for it, go for it. The worst thing that can happen is that you can fail. I have failed many times in life. It sucks, but you get over it. You know what I mean? And you always learn from it. That is, I know it sounds corny. You always learn from your mistakes, but you really do. And sometimes it truly is meant to be. You know, I've had a couple of things that we, I tried to start before henna and didn't take off. And I'm really glad they didn't take off, especially one of them. I wasn't even passionate about it. I just thought like, oh, this could make a lot of money if it took off, Mm -hmm. it didn't take off because I wasn't passionate about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm, I'm glad in retrospect, like I would be sad if I actually even made good money from it. And I was doing it today because I didn't really like it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was trying to fall. I was like trying to follow, follow what I thought were like the dollar signs but ended up just not making many dollars.
0: <laughs> right. A so. lot of people do that. A lot of people start businesses that they think will make money. Yes. But it's more to it than that because especially when you're starting a business, like you said, you're nine to five. You you, you know, sometimes they say, you, well, you need to love what you do. Well, maybe you could get away with not loving your nine to five. But when you're an entrepreneur, you're all in in this thing. You need to love it because you're going to eat, sleep, and drink this thing. And you're going to work a lot of hours and put a lot of grind and you don't want to do that for something that you don't care about. You don't like it. You're not interested in because after a while you're going to lose the tenacity to just keep going and pushing that thing. Cause you're, you never cared for it in the first place, but if it's in you and you believe in it, it's something that you truly believe in. You can push it. That's what I'm all about. I only like to do things that I believe in. Like I don't want to uh, get into stuff that I don't care for. I don't believe because I know after a while, it's going to come through, <laughs> you know, it's going to come through that. I don't really believe in that thing. And it's going, you know, and it'll, it'll, um, trickle down to everything that I do in that business. So, yeah. And so, um, my question for you is like, how do you stay motivated? Like, you know, as a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, all the things that you do, like, how do you stay uh, motivated?
1: Yeah, it definitely changes depending on, I guess, the stage of life I'm in. So I'll be completely honest, like my motivations are different now than they were before I had my daughter. I, I kind of made a decision that at the moment I do work less hours on henna overall than I did before I had Stella. And I don't think that's going to be how things are in the forever, but at the moment, this is what I'm the most comfortable with. And so I think, I think it's okay. If you're, whether you want to call it your motivation or, you know, how you structure your work um, you know, work, non-work life balance shifts and just kind of, you know, changes throughout the years. I think in the beginning, I I am, you know, for me, at least personally, when I look back, uh, it did help in the beginning that I was very laser focused in on Henna because I had the time to kind of just, you know, I would say be a little bit selfish in the sense that I just thought about the business and didn't have to worry about too much else. But now, you know, I have, when I'm so grateful that I have a child and I want to really be there for her. And so I, yeah, like I said, complete transparency. She is my number one focus, you know, and she comes first, you know, her, she comes first. My husband comes second. I love him very much, but he's a solid second at the moment. And it's really funny because when I was pregnant and he was rubbing my belly, we looked at each other. We're like, we love each other so much. We've been together for 17 and uh, 17 and a half years. Right. Stella's number one and we're second. So yeah, first is Stella. Then is my husband. And then comes my business. And that's the truth. And I'm okay with that. It's not that I'm not focused on my business. I'm working on it every day still. I mean, I probably should have taken more time off if anything. Like I was answering work emails like two weeks, two days after I gave birth. Don't recommend. The motivation right now for me is family actually. And it, that does help motivate me when it comes to business because I want to have a business that my daughter will be proud of when she starts understanding what I'm doing in some years. And I also want a business that can, I can make sure that continues to support us, you know? And so that is my current motivation, but I would say the motivation is not, it's changed because it used to be more about still like, Oh, one day we could get, you know, this type of, this type of house, or this is the type of life we could have. And, you know, that's a combination of being younger and also having fewer responsibilities. And now I just think that, okay, I really want true financial freedom so I can take care of, like my husband and I, we can take care of our family, you know? And even when it comes to money, like we partnered with a nonprofit officially earlier this year that we finally found one that we felt like was the right fit. And so now I see it like every, because, you know, basically anytime someone buys from us, $1 from every purchase goes toward, first fruit ministries which is the nonprofit we partner with and they help with um fight human trafficking and homelessness and so even if someone buys something for three dollars a dollar of that's going to to them and so now i also think in terms of like not just supporting my family and my daughter but i think in terms of every time someone buys from us or like the more we grow the more money we can donate to them and the more good that they can do you know it felt so good recently to hand them the you know the first official check since we publicly partnered. We have donated them privately in the past, but just felt good to really have that on paper and, you know, to hand that over and know that it's going to do a lot of good in our community. And yeah, my, so my, I, my motivation has just changed. And I think definitely for the better, I'm not saying I was some super selfish person in the past, but I think naturally you are, you know, you become more selfless when you have other human beings that you are responsible for. And that you care for. And so, yeah, I think I have the best type of motivation now. I really do. And I think it really helped me make better decisions. Like I said, even f- I, I think it was meant to be. I think, you know, when I was pregnant, that was when we discovered a nonprofit that we really, really felt was doing great work. And they really walk the walk. You know, we've had a lot of discussions with different nonprofits over the years, and I'm not saying they don't do good work. Uh, some of them, I'm not sure, <laughs> but some of them it's like, okay, you start asking questions and it doesn't seem like any of the money is going toward what they say it's going toward. And then other ones, it's like, you know, you don't know how, maybe it's not run that well, but this one just felt right. And I think it was just opening myself up to that and really, truly, truly wanting and being ready to, you know, use my business as a vessel to do yeah, to do good—not just for our customers, but just also for you know the community. I know it's a long-winded answer, but yeah, that's how I feel. So, what would you say is the biggest
0: lesson that you've learned thus far on your entrepreneurial journey?
1: This is something I've probably I've answered similarly a decent number of times, but I still like to stick with it. Is that uh, no does not mean never, and I really like to emphasize that. I I, I know that you know, we all hear that it's normal to get rejected when you're an entrepreneur. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that a lot of times when you get that initial no, it really doesn't mean never. A lot of times it means not yet, you know, and I think it's good to be persistent and to understand that even if you get rejected, sometimes you would be surprised what happens a few years down the line. Some of the retailers who shall not be named because I'm selling at them now, (laughs) rejected me in the beginning. And I respectfully understood that you know, they didn't want to bring us in at that time, but I was persistent. And if I wasn't persistent, I wouldn't be selling at those places. And some of them are my best retailers these days. And there's been some of them that rejected me probably like six or seven times in the beginning. I wouldn't recommend contacting someone every day. That would be very annoying. When I say follow up, I mean like, you know, over the span of a few years, but I think it's just good to remember that, you know, nothing is set in stone in life. And so I think it just, you know, staying positive and I guess keeping your eye on the ball and understanding that, you know, like it's not, it's getting a no is not necessarily even a rejection. You know what I mean? And it's not personal. It really isn't. A lot of times it is just business. You know, they have their reasons and you might not understand at the time, but later on, oftentimes you will. Like sometimes I I got rejected. I know why I did. I understand now I wasn't big enough, you know, an unknown or my product wasn't a great fit for their store. And so sometimes it really is nothing personal.
0: Now, tell us about Hinnate Organics. Um, you know, what, um, what do you see for this brand? And, you know, share a little bit about some of the products that you carry and those types of things.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, we are primarily a lip care brand. And when I say lip care, it's not just, you know, a lip balm, which we do have. We have two different lip balms. We also have everything from really nice lip exfoliators that not just, you know, they don't just exfoliate your lips. They actually make them very moisturized and buttery smooth afterwards. We have anti-aging lip serum. We have this four-in-one lip mask treatment, which is phenomenal. Uh, We have lip tints that give really nice color, but also actually moisturize your lips instead of drying them out. And then of course we have a handful of products that are not lip care. For example, we have some face oils, we have hand creams. My personal, my current favorite face oil out of the two of ours is one called the Lumen. It's a brightening anti-aging face oil. But when I was pregnant, I used another one that was called Serene, which is very gentle on your skin. That was my favorite at that time. And we definitely have some product launches that are actually uh, coming very soon. I'm not going to say too much about those at the moment, but I think what you could expect to see from Henna in the upcoming years is I do think there will be some lip product launches, but I also do foresee us starting to enter other categories, but lightly dabble, I would say not full on. Like I said, we're, we're going to be mainly lip care. Um, but yeah, we've got a lot of things in the works. There's always products. I want to launch. Trust me, Brandy. I have a mega list, but it's a combination of yeah, being self-funded. So I don't necessarily have the funds to launch products left and right but also being an uber perfectionist. And so the process of launching a new product takes a very, very long time. You know, it's we never launch products just to launch them. They have to be, in my opinion, absolutely perfect. I have to be completely in love with them. I have to feel like our customers actually want this product. And that's when it makes the cut. And so this mega list, yeah, it'll take a while. You know what I mean? So-
0: Awesome. Tell everybody how they can find the products.
1: Yes, we well, can find them on our website, which is henneorganics.com, uh, h-e-n-n-e organics.com, and you can also find us in a variety of retailers. You can find us at Blue Mercury, um, Anthropology Online, and then some clean beauty retailers such as Credo and Detox Market. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to share with us today, Laura? Before we go um i would just say thank you for having me and um i hope everyone has a wonderful week so
0: awesome laura shaw everybody henna organics we'll have all the information in the show notes as always stay great and we're out bye thanks for tuning in to the business beauty network podcast please subscribe and support our podcast please share it Share it with your friends and family. Also, connect with us. We want to hear from you. Leave us comments. Let us know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Also, email us at BBNetworkPodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram at I am taylor and at Exquisite Looks. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Exquisite Looks. And you can check out my website at ExquisiteLooks.com. I really hope to hear from you and connect with you soon. Remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.